We're talking about exhortations Paul's given. And in verse 8 was exhortations concerning our thoughts. You know, if you meditate on something long enough, you're going to act it out. What is your mind full of? What are you thinking about? So we started going through eight things Paul commands us to think on. The Bible commands us to renew our mind, does it not? To think differently than we used to. That's what the idea is, right? If we think the same as we did before we were saved, then nothing really changes. We need to think differently. The natural tendency of man is to think the worst of others. This happens frequently, way too frequently. I've had people come to me and say, well, when you said that, what you meant was, and da-da-da-da, and what you, you know, your, your action meant this, and your inaction meant this, and you know, the problem is, I don't know your motives for why you do what you do. So for me to sit here and try to assign all these motives, that's unfair, is it not? But it also shows an improper thinking to judge others so quickly and think that their motives automatically are wrong motives. But let's read verse 8 again. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, Paul writes, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. So you and I need to maintain the right thoughts in order to have the right actions. Let us pray. Father, again, thank you for this time together, and I pray as we continue to study having the right thoughts, that again, Lord, we be reminded to be renewed in our mind, to be transformed, to be different than what we used to be, to put off the old, to put on the new, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We covered already where to think on things that are true. So now that it's been two weeks, let's see who remembers. What are things that are true? The Word of God. The Bible is truth. So when we're to think on truth, we should be thinking on the Word of God, right? You know, our Sunday school lessons have been going over how to look at this world with a biblical worldview. We have studied marriage, gender identity, um, racism, uh, we're studying now justice, but all these things that the world is all confused on, God has a, a, the truth, and that is how you and I need to approach everything, is through the lens of God's truth. Creation, everything. View it through God's truth. Think on things that are true. Then, number two, think on things that are honest. And we talked a little bit about honesty, not as we think of today so much, but things that are worthy of honor, things that are dignified, giving honor to whom honor is due, thinking honorable thoughts. Now, again, that kind of goes against what we typically think of others, right? Again, as I said, our natural mind will think the worst of others. But how about we let a person's testimony and reputation precede them? If somebody has always been honest and trustworthy, 
then why should I think in this instance it's different? Now, I'm not saying if somebody has proven themselves to be a liar to you that all of a sudden you're just going to take everything they say at face value. Okay, there is discernment in life too. But those that have been walking in integrity, why should I assume, you know, when somebody says, oh, did you hear what so-and-so said or did? Why should I assume that their motive was all of a sudden wrong? Or why should I assume that they even did it? Or why should I even listen to somebody talking about them? How about we go back to that? Think on things that are honest. Then we talked about things that are just. Again, we're talking in the Sunday school about a proper justice. Justice is based on truth. And without an absolute truth, justice becomes skewed. No wonder the world today can call wrong right and right wrong. But you and I need to think on things that are right. Isaiah 5.20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, and put darkness for light and light for darkness, to put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Then we talked also, number four, Paul says, whatever things are, whatsoever things are, pure. Holy, chaste. You know, you can't even drive down the road today without being bombarded with the filth of this world. You and I need to have holy thoughts, chaste thoughts, whether it be on the internet, whether it be advertisements, whether it be wherever, you and I need to have holy thoughts, pure thoughts. But there's so much impurity in this world, Christian. You and I, we live in this world. We see it, we're exposed to it, but you and I need to be careful that you and I don't give in to it. Think on things, Paul says, number five, that are lovely. Things that are pleasing, agreeable. May I say, when it comes to all these, people who talk about others to you will be willing to talk about you to others. Don't be surprised when you sit there and have a gossip session with somebody about everybody else to find out that they're talking about you behind your back because that is the character of that type of individual. It brings us down to number six. This is where we left off. Whatsoever things are of good report, praiseworthy, commendable, It's amazing how bad news travels faster than good news, is it not? If you watch the news, it's one bad thing after another bad thing after another bad thing because bad news sells. Good news does not. I remember years ago, they actually used to have a a, a segment on the news of something nice to happen in the community. I don't see that much, of course... I don't watch the news much. That might be why I don't see it. I don't know. But the world focuses on the worst things. You and I need to focus on things that are of good report, praiseworthy or commendable. I have a pastor friend who determined he was going to write at least one thank you card every day. I started this once and I failed to keep up with it. Maybe it's an exercise I need to start again. 
Because you know what it does? It forces you to be thankful for people and find something commendable, something praiseworthy in others. Instead of always tearing down, instead of always condemning, instead of always, oh, they didn't do that right. Oh, they didn't do that wrong. You know, there's a lot of things we can focus on that aren't right. By the way, this is one of the problems I find in many marriages is that instead of focusing on the praiseworthy things in their spouse, they're always focusing on the negative of their spouse. You know, there's plenty of negative things all of us do. But is that going to be our focus? Or are we going to focus on things that are praiseworthy? When somebody does something nice, you know, we used to take a lot of time teaching our children to say thank you, right? You know why? Because we need to learn to be grateful for what others do. Somebody doesn't have to do kind acts for you, do they? But when they do, you should be grateful for what they've done. Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Here's the problem. We live in a society that people think way too highly of themselves. I get tired. Now, look, I appreciate the learning a doctor has. I appreciate all the years of education they've done. I appreciate the fact that they have studied medicine. But also, having worked in the medical field, as one doctor said, we're still practicing medicine. Because you do realize medicine is an art, not a science. Because the way I treat one person with what this prescription, whatever, may work for this individual and not this individual. Every response, every body is different. You know what I hate? Is the doctors that... Well, I'm the doctor, you're the patient, you don't know, I'm smart, you're not. Have you ever met one of those? Okay, it's not just doctors, it's every area of life. You know, we need to be careful. We don't try to look down on others because I know more than you. I am better than you. We talked about this again in Sunday school when we did the whole lesson on racism and really truthfully all types of prejudices that we have against others. I told you when I first moved to the South, because the way most people to South have a slower pace of life and a slower speech, I thought most were ignorant people. Found out that's not true. And shame on me for thinking that. You and I need to learn that we treat others or esteem others better than self. Look into the needs of others. Honestly, folks, we need to look at others and realize their abilities, their value, their worth, and stop trying to put ourselves above others. This happens in every area of life. The greatest among you is going to be your servant of others, right? Is that not what Jesus said? When the disciples were arguing and fussing about who's going to be the greatest, he goes, the greatest among you is going to be a servant of all. One of the greatest titles is being a servant of the Lord. This is one thing that frustrated me and still frustrates me, especially when I was in office, is those that get elected to office get an entitled or a, um, enlightened one mentality. 
We are now the enlightened ones. We understand. You don't. How many times have you talked to a politician? You don't understand how the system works. You just don't understand. You little peons. You got me here to understand it for you. Now, were there things about how government works that I did not understand before I got in it? Yes. And I understand it less now than I did then. Because I'm not sure why it has to work so foolishly. But I tried never to say that to folks. We just don't understand. I tried to explain it to them and help them understand. But there were times when we would be making a decision. I'd say, hey, how about we put this on a referendum and ask the people? Well, that's what they elected us for. We're here to make that decision. Like, I understand. We represent them. We serve them. So how about we find out, since none of us can agree on what the right answer is, how about we ask them what their opinion is? Well, we're just going to have to decide it because we're the elected officials. Okay. I think that's a very arrogant attitude, don't you? Christian, you and I need to be careful. When somebody has a question about the Scriptures, that we don't give them, well, that's just because that's what the Bible said. Let's show them. Let's not give that same arrogance. Let's not try to put ourselves above others. But remember, there was a day when you didn't understand either. Recently, dealing with a young, uh, a young man recently saved, started asking about where do dinosaurs fit into the Scriptures? Folks, we need to have an answer. And don't look down and say, well, duh, that's obvious. Well, no, to some it may not be. Number seven, if there be any virtue... Think on things that are virtuous or of moral excellence. Virtue is to be added to our faith. Second Peter, yeah, Second Peter 1 5. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and the virtue knowledge. One who has virtuous qualities is to be sought after. Proverbs 31 10. Who can find a virtuous woman her, for her price is far above rubies? But should that not be what we're looking for? You know, it amazes me how many young people get infatuated with a guy or a girl because of looks. Well, I promise you looks are going to change. But you find one that has an excellent moral character, one who is virtuous, and you found something priceless, someone priceless. We need to look at character. This applies to not just in Selecting one to be a mate. Well, that's a very important aspect. But what about when a church is picking a pastor? You know, I've heard some people, oh, he can preach really good. Well, how's his character? How's his character? Because character matters. You know, I remember when we were at Bethel Baptist Church and the pastor had started the church was retiring and the church was selecting a new pastor. Three men went out to Montana to interview a pastor. And I'm trying to remember exactly how it went, but I know the one, I think, interviewed the pastor himself. The one interviewed the church staff. And the third guy, who happened to be a police officer, went out in town and started interviewing the town, asking people what they knew of this guy. Why would that be important? Because it's not one of the qualifications of a pastor to have a good report to them that are without. Showing the virtue that he has. 
And so they, he went and he started interviewing different businesses where he knew he dealt to find out what kind of character he had. If I were to interview your bank teller, the clerk at the grocery store, whatever the case might be, whatever you, wherever you deal or wherever you do business, if I were to go interview them and ask what kind of person are you, what would their answer be? We need to think on things that are virtuous, of moral, excellent moral character. Our character matters. But if we're not thinking on virtuous things, then are we going to live a virtuous life? It needs to be focused. If there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, is the last one. Thinking on things that are praiseworthy. We all have times when we get discouraged, don't we? If we sit there and we focus on our circumstances and focus on our problems and focus on things going on, is that how we overcome the discouragement? How can we overcome discouragement? I believe one of the ways in which we can overcome is just to start praising God for what he, who He is and what He has done. Because He's always worthy of praise. Don't you believe that? Absolutely He is. And so just pause and think and stop and think, God, despite what I'm going through, you're still good. You're still gracious. You're still merciful. You still love me. At Thanksgiving time, we take a whole service and we just stop and praise God. But Christian, that should be the attitude we have throughout all the year. Things that are praiseworthy. Let's focus on those things. When you start feeling sorry for yourself, get your focus off yourself and praise God for what He has done. But what if our thought pattern, instead of being focusing on all the discouraging things, focusing on all the negative things, we focused on praising God, focused on things that are praiseworthy, focused on the good things, if you will. Now, I'm not saying live in some kind of fantasy land that ignores the issues and, and, and whatnot around us. But folks, we can't be dwelling there to where it affects us, to where we get a negative attitude toward life. You follow what I'm saying? My focus still needs to be on the goodness of God who deserves praise. But if I focus on this world, yeah, I'm going to be discouraged. Because this world is, well getting to be a pretty rotten place to live, isn't it? You know, we say getting to be. You know, it's always been. Since the fall of man, this has been a sin-cursed earth. I mean, the second generation, you already had a brother murdering his brother. Pretty bad, right? Has, so it's always been bad. We act like things are getting worse. Back in the good old days, you know what the problem with the good old days? There was sin then, too. There was problems then, too. See, we tend to forget the bad. I remember a saying in the Navy that your best, two best duty stations are the one you left and the one you're going to. Because the one you left, you forgot all the problems you had there. The one you're going to, you haven't been there yet, so you don't know what problems are there. And the one that you're at is always the worst duty station possible. Yeah, you laugh because Marines are the same way, aren't they? Yep. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. No, it's human nature is what it is. I remember everywhere I went in the Navy, this isn't the real fleet. The real fleet is where I was last. It was a great place, blah, 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 blah. 
Anyhow, never satisfied where they are. So many live life that way. Now, Christian, if you and I are living life the same way, complaining about everything, discouraged about everything, living under the circumstances, then how are we showing this world that there's a difference living for Jesus Christ? But we're not going to live differently unless we start thinking differently. Hence the exhortation Paul gives concerning our thoughts. Many times in counseling, I have folks take this verse and break it down, which I've done for you over the last couple weeks, defining the words and focusing on those things. Because again, part of the renewing of our mind, part of the being transformed in the image of Christ, part of the putting off the old and putting on the new involves our mind being changed and the way we think being changed. Because if you don't change the way you think, your actions will not change. Your actions will follow what you're thinking. If God is trustworthy, He's praiseworthy, He provides, He's sufficient, then I don't have to worry, fret, and fear in life. I don't have to desire, I don't have to want, but I can be satisfied in Jesus Christ. Folks, We need to change the way we think. Paul says, think on these things. You know, it's interesting to me, in this passage, nowhere does Paul say, let's talk about your feelings and how you feel about it. But Paul says, think on the right things. Because I believe the Word of God teaches, if you think correctly, then your actions will be correct. And when your actions are correct, you will feel good about it. The world puts it backwards. They start with the feelings. Do what makes you feel good. The problem is, what my flesh thinks makes it feels good will lead to wrong actions, which leads to wrong thinking. And we wonder why we live in a world that is depressed, unsatisfied, and everything else. It's because they're so focused on their feelings. i got to stop focusing on my feelings and focus on thinking correctly. And when I think correctly, my actions will be correct. And once my actions are correct, I'll feel good about it. You know what that says about my feelings? They're important, yes. But the result of the actions... You see, because if I focus on the feelings, the actions go bad, right? But if I focus on thinking correctly, thinking Christ-like, then my actions will become Christ-like, and then the result will be feelings. Now, when I counsel people, I sometimes will ask, because, you know, we all think of the psychologists, well, how does that make you feel, right? I have asked that question in counseling. You know why? Because when we're talking about the actions they're doing, how does that make you feel? Well, I feel terrible about it. Okay, then let's back up. So you're doing the wrong action, so how do we change that? Do we change the way you feel about it? No, we change the way you think about it. And you change the way you think about it, then you're going to stop doing that action, and then you're going to feel better about it. You follow what I'm saying? We need to be careful, by the way, of human psychology. 
I have heard some of the craziest things from people who've gone to psychologists who do not give biblical counseling. Because humanistic counseling is going to lead to some very strange things. I heard a couple once where one of them was cheating on the other, and the counselor said to the one who didn't cheat, you need to go cheat, then you'll be equal, and then you'll both feel better about it. I think, what? You'll both feel better about it. Right, because your focus is on the feelings, and your feelings is going to lead to wrong actions. Because feeling better about it, that's, that's exactly what we need to do. No, it's not. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. What are you thinking on today? Is your mind filled with the cares of the world? Or is your mind focused on God and His Word? When you think of others, do you automatically think the worst of them? Or do you try to think of things that are praiseworthy? What do you spend your time doing? Because what you fill your mind with is where your mind's going to dwell. You know, I got a thing on my phone started showing up that tells me how many hours I've been on each of the apps in a week. Starting to find I waste more time than I thought I did on some of these apps. I thought I wasn't looking at Facebook much until it said uh, you spent seven hours looking at Facebook this week. I'm like, wow, that's a lot of time. That's a whole work day. That's a lot of time. I'd like it to say maybe two hours. Maybe? I don't know. That still sounds like a lot of time. But what you fill your mind with is what you're going to think on. How much time are you spending in the Word of God? How much time are you focusing in prayer? Focusing on God. Focusing on things that are true, lovely, just, pure. Christian, you and I need to change our thinking. And let's not be quick to want to judge or condemn others. Focus on proper thinking and proper feelings and actions will follow. So let's focus on what God wants us to focus on.